Welcome to the favorites, the podcast from the volume podcast network. I am Chad Millman. We've got a massive show because as usual, since it's late July, NFL drama is heating up faster than a high school drama on Disney plus Simon Hunter, my BFF, my companion. He's going to come in. We're going to talk all about what's happening with the Packers. What's happening with Deshaun Watson? How should we be thinking about all that? as we head into the NFL season, as it relates to futures and win totals and division wins and conference wins and all that kind of good stuff. Plus later in the show, BJ Cunningham, who famously came on earlier in the year and won the Thursday Thunderdome with some phenomenal question answering and trivia expertise that was funny and next level and in depth. He is one of our baseball geniuses. He's going to talk about baseball in the second half, betting the second half of the season, along with Colin Whitchurch, our baseball senior editor, a man who knows more about baseball than most of us can remember in a single day. I'm looking forward to that. But first, Simon, I feel like we haven't spoken in so long and it's only been a week, but I was away, you know, for the last few days of last week. We got a lot of catching up to do. How are you? Oh, yeah. I missed you, Chad. Not only did I miss you from the show, I missed you because I did do two of those ad reads. Well, number one, listen, we truly appreciate our sponsors at FanDuel, and I look forward to everybody hearing my read for the FanDuel Sportsbook later in the show. This is how it happens, my friend. Slowly but surely. Look, we were just talking before we came on the air how I was talking with a buddy about so many people coming into this space trying to be insiders, trying to parlay what they think they know about the NFL, what they think they know from having experience, having played in the NFL or been executives or coaches in the NFL, translating that to betting, whether they want to use it to become betters themselves, whether they want to use it to become media experts who can translate everything to insider information that helps people get an edge. Um, And the delta between that and actual professional betters, of which you are one of them. Uh, it is actually phenomenal to me how much more professional bettors know about what's happening in this world than anybody else. So give me your take. Aaron Rodgers arriving in Green Bay today. Deshaun Watson, who we had both made a lot of futures bets on teams he could go to, Washington football team, Carolina. Um, Those trade wins are back in the air. Where's your head? What are you thinking? Tell me about Aaron Rodgers first. Um, well, first I, I, I gave you the advice to your friend. Uh, don't do it. It's, it's a different muscle. It's completely different world. Um, I get why these people want to get in it though. Like I told you, there's, there's few cooler feelings in the world than when I knew the jets were going to upset and win against the Rams. I didn't know they're going to win the way they did, but I just saw there was really great value in the number. And the following week, when I came on the show on a Tuesday, and I said, yeah, the Jets are going to win again now, back-to-back weeks, after they started the year 0-14. It's awesome, dude. It's, like, honestly, really fun. And you experienced on the draft day, getting those texts off the night that Trey Lance was going to be the third pick overall, and betting that and putting the word out there. And, like, just the the reaction, like, we talk all the time is – it's different. I'm getting used to it. Um It's just different, especially in the gambling world where, like, people tell me information that's awful all the time. Good or bad, you don't react to it in any way, negative or positive. You just take the information you're given. You try to figure out what's real and what's not. Uh, It's definitely been different where, like, if I'm putting out there, like, the day we put out that article about Trey Lance going third overall, 
not a single person in media was saying that. Everyone was still holding firm. Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, all these high-level NFL people were saying, Mac Jones is the third pick overall. And I knew that was a bold-faced lie. And it's, it's definitely fun, but it's a lonely world where maybe 10 people liked it when I put it out there, and I got 50 DMs of just cursing me out, saying, who are you? I think I had like 7,000 followers at the time. They're like, how does a guy with 7,000 followers know more than Adam Schefter or Chris Sims? Who are you? And it's just like, good point. I am a nobody. Uh, all I'm trying to do is help you not fall into this trap that the media is laying here. And we saw with Aaron Rodgers, that was just, again, I got a bunch of messages. It was 1.30 a.m. East Coast time. And my whole my whole job, especially for people that are fans of the show, is just for not people to step in it. It's it's one of those where, like, multiple people are best me. Should I take the Vikings? The Vikings to win the North is coming down. Should I take the Bears? Their number's running down because everyone thought, for real, Aaron Rodgers was going to retire. I, I, I still can't even say that right now, how stupid it sounds. People really believed Aaron Rodgers was going to retire out of nowhere in the end, very end of July before this, the training camp starts. So I went on there and I just said, I, I just thought it was BS and that Aaron Rodgers was coming back. Not I didn't know anything. All I knew is that, we talked all year. I mean, me and you, have, we've sat here and we've had multiple conversations about what Aaron Rodgers was going to do. Mathematically, it did not make any sense for him to leave that team and leave. I think it was like $40 million on the table and just sit out the year because it was, it was going to do nothing for him. He's, what, 37, 38 years old. It was just a really weird thing to think that he was going to waste a year after he just won the MVP. So we saw what happened, Chad. Like we knew, predict we bet it. We've been predicting it. He didn't go to Denver. He didn't go to all these teams. People kept saying he just ended up back in Green Bay on a one-year deal, pretty much. And then the off-season, like we said, we think he's going to get traded. So it, it's definitely one of those where it's hard now that I am in media. So it's it's a little like I don't want to be bad mouthing media, but it's like they got to get clicks. It's a business. They they need they need your clicks, people. So I think that was just pure clickbait. What happened on Saturday night? You are not a nobody, Simon. <laughs> you are a valued member of this podcast team. You are a friend to me, and I am a friend to you. And that makes you a somebody. I really appreciate that. Now, I know you're down here about Watson. Uh, it's, Let's hear it. It's, it's, again, off the top, will you start off? Okay, we get it. The guy is kind of a scumbag. Uh, it's a lot to take in to think this guy is going to be the face of your franchise when he has 10 women who have accused him that have gone to the police now for what is going to come down to be sexual assault. Now, he hasn't been charged with any crime. He's still not on the, the commissioner list, which means he's got practice right now. He's at Houston at their training camp. And if nothing changes, he could be their week one starter, especially if they don't trade him. So taking all the information in, you have to look at all the teams with the different assets. So, it's again, we're, we're sitting here late July for the teams that have the most capital to move to get Deshaun Watson. The teams you're going to keep hearing are the Miami Dolphins and the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Eagles have three first round picks next year. I believe the Dolphins still have two next year. And then they obviously have two more the following year, I believe, first round picks. So these are two teams that have tons of draft capital with both teams have quarterbacks that have tons of question marks. No one really believes in Tua right now. No one really believes in Hurts. These are two teams where it's kind of a trial year for both these quarterbacks. So as we sit here in July, I can't see teams trading for him. I just think there's too much unknown right now with legality where 
as an Eagles fan, I think we, we as a fan base, we would take him. Like we took Mike Vick where he did. It depends what kind of person you are. It's the most heinous thing in the entire world, killing dogs. And especially the rate, the way you read about how he killed dogs like Vic, huge piece of shit. But as an Eagles fan, he served his time. He went to jail. We forgave him. And as a community, I think people really got behind him. And like that year he came in, man, like to this day, that Miami, I mean, the Monday night game against Washington uh, football team is one of the best experiences of my life. Mike Vick threw for five touchdowns in the first half, and it was just out of this world. So when I think of Deshaun Watson, a guy who is arguably a top five quarterback, and he's maybe 26, 27 years old. Yes, Chad, I want to give up the farm as an Eagles fan to get this guy. But from the human aspect, it's like I need to see this play out kind of in court because it's it's just too much right now to think that they're just going to give a contract to a guy that we don't know yet. He could face jail time. That's a, it's just too much up in the air. So for me, it's I, I've been taking him in late round leagues in fantasy football. Like, you know, if I'm getting him in the 18th, 19th round, I've been taking Watson just in the simple fact. What if he only does miss six games? and He comes back and does play this year for Houston. But for the trading aspect, I just can't see any team moving him for him yet. And I just don't know what the value is of a guy who has so much baggage right now. So essentially, let me put it in terms I can understand, which is me. Uh, for our Super Bowl futures, we kind of got to lean into Sam Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Justin Herbert. No, we got burned. But it's it's again, we didn't we didn't have this information in February. We were just playing the odds of this movement happening. Little did we know the Rams are gonna be the team that traded for a quarterback and bring in Stafford. So right. it's one of those we just had a swing and a miss, but what can you do, Chad? When you get teams 80 to 1, 50 to 1, that's usually how it goes. By the way, like even with the Rams trading for Matthew Stafford, like I'm not a full buyer on the Rams. In fact, you and I have talked about this. I, we are on opposite sides here. You know, I am definitely going to be a buyer on the Niners and you're definitely going to be a buyer on the Rams. Well, people will see again, we have months ahead to talk about it, but it's just a classic thing where the NFC is just very weak right now with quarterbacks. The AFC has young Baker, young Josh Allen. They got Mahomes. They got Lamar. Go look at the NFC. What the young talent the NFC quarterback has. We have no talent. I mean, honestly, it is bad. That's why people are talking about how Green Bay is not not the team like thought they were going to be. Yada yada yada. It's to me, it's still Green Bay and the Buccaneers, the two two by far best teams in NFC. So, for value wise, I get why people are on the Rams because they are the closest team. They have Stafford, who's arguably the third best quarterback in the NFC. So it's tough. One correction: there is young talent at quarterback in the NFC. He goes by the name of Justin Fields, ladies and gentlemen. Last night, uh, he's a vegan. Night, you know that, right, Chad? Great. I'm, you like that, dude? I'm practically a food freak. I'm drinking my green tea matcha ice right now. I know like, you weigh about a buck twenty, soaking wet. You would not be an NFL quarterback. I what is this guy eating for protein? Avocado. I did just have a physical the other day. I know exactly how tall I am, exactly how much <laughs> I weigh, exactly what my blood count is. I'm uh, I'm very pleased with my progress. And how my many stones nerve. are you, Chad? What's in a stone? <laughs> you don't know? I thought you lived in England for a little while. What is it? Isn't it like 10 pounds, 20 pounds? No, in between. It's like 14 or 12 14? and a half, I believe. So I'm Something about, uh, I'm a little bit less than 10 stone. <laughs> My man. Um, but I will say this. Uh, last night, and we're going to get to the baseball. Last night, because Colin and BJ are, are waiting patiently by, and I'm sure they're sick of this, but they're like, <laughs> NFL? I don't want to talk about NFL. But uh Last night, uh, my wife and I are getting ready to go to bed. She's on her phone 
And I'm like, you're always on your phone. She goes, you were on your phone so much more than me. I'm like, I'm not, I'm really not. Like you were on your phone every second we are together nonstop. She goes, let's check our daily averages. So we checked our daily averages and mine was higher, but not by much. And the point is like, I am in an office all day and I have to be online and on my phone because I'm checking different social media outlets, how we're doing, how action is doing. Turns out the truth is all I'm doing is going on Chicago Bears TikTok and watching everything they put out about Justin Fields. I was the other day, they put out a really fun clips about um, it's been great. David Montgomery talking to Matt Nagy and saying he's a Sunday player and he's mic'd up and he's having a good time. And then I'm watching Justin Fields talk about his secret talents, whether the guy's vegan or not, he is built so well. He is so strong. He is a great young quarterback. He is going to bring the Chicago bears into a atmosphere that has not been seen in years. One last thing. Have you watched the Hey Rookie on YouTube yet? No. I'll, I'll post it today on Twitter. You're going to love it because it's it's basically Fields is in half of it. It's uh, him and like four, three other guys that are like do the Hey Rookie thing where they get like interviewed through the combine and everything like that. Dude, he's the man. I love Fields too. He just seems like such a good dude. So, it's again. So, it's so rare that, that a team gets to make the right pick, like the exactly no-brainer pick. But I talk every year. This is the best time of year. Like – we all have such high hopes and we're all so happy where it's like your team's going to suck. My team's going to suck. We, we both know that. But right now, you know, we don't think that we, we truly believe our, we're actually be good. So let's do it, Chad. Here's let's how, get the by baseball. The way, one, more, one more thing. Here's how excited we are in my house about the Chicago bear season. My son and I, my younger son and I uh, took a father son trip to DC last week and we had an amazing time. Amazing time. Uh, the last day, it was a beautiful day. And like a bunch of the things we wanted to do didn't work out. And so we ended up going to the DC zoo, which is a beautiful zoo, right? And it was a beautiful day. So we're like, let's just walk around the zoo. We end up standing by the bear pit. The entire conversation where we're standing by the bear pit is about the Chicago bears. <laughs> what do we think their season is going to be? What do we think the team needs to do for Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to keep their jobs? How soon do we think before Justin Fields? Only because we were standing next to the bear pit. Did we have this conversation? You're addicted. Totally addicted. All right. BJ, Colin, there, I don't want to make this all Chicago, but I do have to start with the Chicago White Sox are one of the best teams in the American League. Tony La Russa is one of the worst managers in the American League. Colin, I'm going to start with you as a Chicagoan. Give me how I, how we all should be reconciling what's happening and how we should be thinking about the Chicago White Sox as a betting opportunity. Well, I think that if anything, this season for the White Sox has proved how little control a manager has over the success or failure of a team, at least over the course of 162 games, you know, when they get into the postseason, that's when I'm nervous because LaRusse's bullpen management, his roster decisions, when he pinch hits for guys, is all a train wreck. It's been relitigated time and time again, but there's nothing anyone can do about it. And I'm terrified that it's going to cost them a key playoff game. You know, we're going to ride it out. You know, they've got a eight and a half game lead in the AL Central, I think, right now. Um, luckily, play in maybe the worst division in baseball. Um, they have the most talent, no question. Got Aloy Jimenez back last night. Luis Robert is on his way back, and and who see who knows what they're going to do at the deadline. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm nervous from a playoff perspective. Obviously their odds to make the playoffs to win the AL central um, have gotten to the point where, where there's no value there, but as far as, you know, futures with, with LaRusse at the helm, the playoffs are when they're really under the microscope and the playoffs are where his shortcomings are really going to come out. So, so PJ, going off what Colin just said, this is a personal for me. I'm all in on Houston. I have a lot of money invested in Houston futures. I got them at 25 to one. Thanks. Listen to you guys, obviously. Like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing, but you guys talked about how Houston was kind of being this team slept on because everyone just hated them coming into this year. So I got them 28 to one, 25 to one. Who's the biggest threat? Is it really Boston? Because I, I can't believe how good Boston is this year. Like, what team do you think in AL is actually a threat if the White Sox aren't that team? Yeah, I think it's probably either Boston or the White Sox. I mean, when you look at Houston, their offense is incredible. I mean, they're, they hit both left and right-handed pitching well. They have a solid starting rotation. The only thing I'll say about Houston that worries me going into the postseason is their bullpen is not that great. They have basically two good uh, guys. Presley's been a great closer. Uh, Fraley's been pretty good, even though he gave the grand slam last night. Uh, but beyond that, it's actually not that great. Their bottom half major league baseball and pretty much every metric you look at. So that is what would worry me about the Astros. But, you know, their offense being this good without Bregman is pretty incredible to this point. Uh, as far as the Red Sox are concerned, I mean, I am a Red Sox fan. So coming into the season, you know, there was a lot of question marks, their rotation and their bullpen, and rightfully so, because they were terrible in 2020. But so far to this point, uh, Ivaldi and Eduardo Rodriguez have completely been, they've just been amazing. And their bullpen has turned from one of the worst in major league baseball to one of the best. I mean, Matt Barnes is one of the best closers now in baseball. And the thing about the Red Sox is what stayed true over the last five years is their offense has been awesome. I, they really don't have any weaknesses. They have positive run values against every single pitch type. They hit lefties and both righties. Well, their two through five is just about as scary as it gets in baseball with Verdugo. Bogarts, Martinez, Endeavors. So, you know, the White Sox obviously don't have very many weaknesses either. So I'd say it's either one of those two teams. But like Colin mentioned, when we get into the playoffs and we have Tony LaRusa at the helm, that could cost them a few games where the Red Sox now have Alex Cora back, who's one of the best managers in baseball. So, yeah, I, I have some question marks with the Astros bullpens. And I honestly think that right now the Red Sox are the best team in the AL. But We'll see how it all shakes out over the second half. It's worth noting that uh, we do a show uh, on Ad Action Network HQ every Monday night at 7 p.m. Eastern called Payoff Pitch. We do a lot of preview shows. We've been doing them for, you know, since the pandemic, the middle of the pandemic for golf. Then we started doing them for NFL. And now we do them for NBA or we have been doing them for NBA and baseball. We'll launch a college football one. Baseball is the best example of how these shows have evolved. It's got highlights. It's got great analysts in BJ Zerillo and Colin Wilson. It's got great dynamically updating info. I say all this to give it a plug, watch payoff pitch 7 PM Eastern on at action network HQ. Um, but also it's a great example of like good baseball inside baseball betting programming. Last night, the white Sox lost to the Royals. Everybody on our panel, was on the Royals to win that game. Uh, great example right there of how this group analyzes baseball. Um, Simon, you got him at 25 to one. You got him at 28 to one. How much you bet at, at each number? 
I did a GH and then I did um a grand on uh Milwaukee at 50 to one and they've they've gone way up. Again, I didn't know anything. I was listening to these guys. The the best one, I think it might have been from Sean, was um Vladdy. He gave me Vladdy. I have him for most home runs and most RBIs. And then I misclicked. Um, I was trying to do 500 on uh, Otani, and I hit the dude on uh, the Padres. What's his name? Uh, Fer- Fernando? Yeah. Yeah. And he's killing it. Like, that kid, I remember, what was it, like, the three weeks in, he, like, popped his shoulder out, and they popped it back in. He's still, he's, like, third in home runs. It, nothing makes sense anymore, Chad. So, so, wait a second. You did a $500, like, miss bet? Drunk. On- yeah, I'm drunk. Crazy. Yeah, we, we had did the show and like I, I remember I made a couple of bets and I had the itch because I hadn't done any bets in a little while. And I was like, you know what? Let me let me see who else I can bet for like this home run because I love home run props. It's just not that it's crazy random, but it really is like any given year. A guy who can just come out of nowhere can just get hot. And I no joke. I think Vladdy was 50 to one. Um, I'm going to check. It was definitely on FanDuel. I did it. Um but to tease, I think he was 33 to one. So again, it's crazy good odds for both those guys if, if either of them come through. But I already know what's gonna happen. Otani is somehow gonna win it all. But that's just that's just my luck. The one guy I wanted to bet, I didn't bet him because it's too good to be true. I, I we've never seen anything like it. Like, like we can talk about these guys. I I honestly people were giving him shit because he doesn't speak like the language. I think he speaks it pretty good. And when I was a kid, I think I heard Ken Griffey Jr. speak one time from my age seven till maybe 11. Like I never heard Ken Griffey Jr. speak. He was just kind of a shy, soft-spoken guy. It was just Ken Griffey. He was just this cool dude with his hat backwards. He was a legend. Otani's the same thing, man. Like I literally am checking in Angels games. I never, like Mike Trout's a great player. He's from South Jersey. I didn't really care about Mike Trout, man. Like I wasn't, it wasn't, I had to stop what I was doing to see Otani pitch and that. It's just one of these things where he's like once in a generation. So to me, I think MLB has hit a gold mine here where this guy is so interesting that no joke, every time he's pitching, I've watched for the last month. He, he's just one of these players where I am so obsessed with now. Like, BJ, what is your view on this guy? Like, what is is he really going to play out this season? Is this really happening? A guy's going to be able to pitch and hit 50 home runs? Yeah, I mean, he's he's incredible. I mean, if you look at all of his advanced metrics, like, you know, I think we talked about for the home run derby, like his barrel percentage, sweet spot percentage and all that. I mean, there are numbers we honestly have never even seen before. It's unbelievably insane. And, you know, doing both of pitching and hitting, it's it's not that big of a benefit to the Angels, even though he has been really good on the mound. I mean, he pitched seven good innings last night. But if he could only just focus on hitting, I think he could – honestly be the best hitter over the next like five to 10 years and possibly even threaten Barry Bonds home run record. Cause just his numbers are just so unbelievably incredible. And we've never even seen anything like it. And honestly, I think on the backs of that, I actually think there's a shot that the angels will actually make the playoffs, even though they're sitting at 500 right now, because Trout's going to come back in August and the offense beyond Otani and Trout has been pretty average, but they have four decent starting pitchers. Now they're looking to maybe sell two, two of them at the deadline. So if that happens, then this is out the window. But, and then when you look at their bullpen, you know, their overall numbers are not good, but their top three guys uh, in the front end of their bullpen all have XERAs under four. Rossio Iglesias, their closer, is the sixth best uh, rated reliever in Major League Baseball. They're currently 120 to one to win the AL West, and they're 10 games back. I don't know what their odds are to win the 
uh, or to make the playoffs right now. But if it's anything north of 10 to one, I honestly think it's worth a bet because if Otani can continue to carry their offense and then Trout comes back, like this could be a really good team. And the ALS could get flipped on its head if the Astros start to fall back. So yeah, I think if Otani continues to do what he does, I, I think we'll never even see anything like this in our lifetime with how good he is on both, both on the mound and at the plate. My favorite thing will be that he costs $3 million this year. He's, yeah. he's been paid $3 million. I mean, he, he's, he might end up making more money than Trout on his contract once it's all said and done. Uh, Colin, would the Angels, would Otani be better off if he was just playing one way? I don't think they would be better off because of the roster construction in Anaheim. Um, as BJ alluded to their pitching staff, I actually am, am uh, way less high on the angels overall. You know, Otani's Otani's by far their best pitcher. Um, I don't trust um, Alex Cobb, Andrew Heaney in big spots. They, they need Otani on the mound because of that roster construction. Um, the question of whether or not Otani would be more valuable kind of in a vacuum is a more interesting one. Um, I would lean no there as well. Um, just because he's like, I don't see a scenario where he's actually a better hitter than he is right now. If he weren't pitching because of how good he is at hitting right now, the value he provides on both sides of the plate is too enormous the roster construction has been all over the place for a number of years. You know, Mike Trout's made the playoffs once in his career and it was his second season. I believe, you know, it's a disservice to baseball and to angels fans that Trout and now Otani are probably not going to make the playoffs for the foreseeable future. BJ likes their, their playoff odds. I, I just looked they're plus seven fifty uh, to make the playoffs right now. I it's, it's funny. I'm actually more, more in on another AL West team as far as a long shot. And that's the Seattle Mariners as kind of the Cinderella darling haven't made the playoffs in 20 years. But as to your question, I don't think the angels would be better if Otani did one thing, what he's doing is just too remarkable. And it's insane. I think I saw a stat that after the all-star game, they looked at the memorabilia sales for players and Otani was number one and he had more than numbers two through 10 combined. So he's great for baseball. He's great for the angels. And you know, I can't, I can't get enough of him. And now a word from our friends at FanDuel. We've all had that dream. Tie game. Bottom of the ninth. Bases loaded. Well, on FanDuel Sportsbook, you get more than one shot to swing for the fences because FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free. That's right. New users get up to $1,000 back in site credit if your first bet doesn't win. I got to say, that's a deal. And it only gets better from there. Check out FanDuel's new promo live every Tuesday, $5 Dinger Tuesdays. Place a $25 or more wager on any player to hit a home run on Tuesday and get a $5 bonus insight credit for every home run hit in the game, maximum $25. All right, BJ, give me your pick for Dinger Tuesday. Give me one of the best home run hitters in Major League Baseball, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who has a tremendous matchup against Gary Richards tonight at plus 260. All right, Colin, give me your pick too. Chad, I have a same-game parlay between the Astros and Mariners tonight. I like the Mariners on the money line, tied with no runs first inning at plus 290. 
There's a reason FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook. The app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique, fun bet types like same-game parlays, and always on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And when you win, FanDuel will pay you your winnings in as little as 24 hours. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up with promo code FAVORITES to get in on the action. That's FanDuel Sportsbook. Promo code favorites must be 21 or older and present in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only a minimum bet $10 maximum bonus $200 bonus issued as non withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and Virginia, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, so let's move on to the National League. Please tell me what to do. I, I'm out on the Phillies. I watch the Phillies all the time. The Phillies are absolutely terrible. This is not a good team. Their coaching feels like it's not good. The bullpen's horrible. Mets are feel like they're held together by just a string that we call DeGrom, and he's not playing now. What am I supposed to do here? Should I just take Atlanta? Like they're, 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 They feel like one of these teams that they just had bad luck the first half, and now they're being undervalued in the second half. <laughs> I like that BJ and I just simultaneously shook our heads and nodded when you said the Braves. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to jump in and go first because the Braves are one of my, my future recommendations. They are kind of a mess. They don't have Acuna for the rest of the season, but I still think that they probably have the most talent in this division. You know, when, I, when I'm looking at future value, one of the things I look at often is run differential. That's the best um, predictor of future success. A lot like, like other sports, you know, you're looking at in the NFL, I know you're looking at, at, at points scored and against and uh the Braves have the best run differential in that division even though they're two games under 500 they're at plus 38 the Phillies are minus 22 the Mets are plus 11 the Mets are probably going to win that division but the Braves are are down to I think plus 700 now to win the east and and that number jumped out to me a little bit um I really like Ian Anderson and uh Charlie Morton in the front of that rotation there's a lot of shakiness there. I'm not going to lie. I mean, they're two games under 500 for a reason, but I just think they, with, with Freeman, with Albies, with the two pitchers I mentioned, um, I think there's great, great value right there going into August. And especially that's in a, a pretty aggressive front office. I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a splash. I know they made a kind of minor move for Jock Peterson a week or two ago. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do something this week as well. I do find that the national league is so interesting because the NL Central is inconsistent and kind of weak. And Sean Zarillo, you mentioned earlier, Simon, he just freaking nailed the Brewers. He was all over the Brewers before the season began. And it was a little bit of a slow start. And now they are running away with that division. And like Christian Yelich is, is a shell of the multi-time MVP player he had been. Uh, in years past. So if he actually starts playing up to his potential and, and what he had done in the past, forget about it in the NL Central. Um, obviously, the Cubs are going to be sellers, and that's all we really need to say about that. Uh, and then the NL East, we talked about kind of a weird division because the best team actually is missing its best player and still might take over the division. Then you look at the NL West. The NL West. Did anyone have the Giants with best record in the major leagues? Uh, BJ, BJ is raising his finger. He did. Uh, well, the Dodgers are one game out and 
the Padres, who a lot of people had going to the World Series um, and sort of being the up and coming team, they're in third place, but they got 58 wins. If you put any of these teams in the American League, they're probably better than everybody in the American League. BJ, go ahead. So, yeah, before the season, I was all over the Giants win total over. I think I have them 20 to one to win the NL West right now. And really what it came down to the Giants last year, I think they missed the playoffs by either one game or maybe half a game. Their offense was really good. They were top 10 in pretty much every metric you looked at. They kept their entire roster together. The biggest issue was their bullpen. It was one of the worst in all of baseball. So what they did in the offseason is they completely scrapped the whole thing. Only They only have two pitchers from last season in their bullpen this season, and it's completely worked. I mean, they've lowered their ERA ERA and XFIP both by about a point, and then their offense has continued to hit incredibly well. And now when you go to the rotation, it's not a lot of guys that maybe you'd recognize if you haven't been watching baseball, but Kevin Gosman, Logan Webb, and Alex Wood have been incredible. And honestly, what this Giants team feels like now that they're in first place in the NLS, it kind of feels like the Giants teams of the early 2010s where you look at them and you're like, it's not, I don't see a huge star on the team or they don't really do anything that, you know, really jumps off the page, but they're just incredibly solid in all four phases of the game. So with their improved bullpen this season, I think this is an absolutely legit team. I think that they will continue to lead the NL West. If not, they'll get one of the wild card spots because the two wild card spots are pretty much going to go to the NL West. And it's not crazy to think that they could go on and win the World Series. I think they're 10 to 1 right now on FanDuel. I, I don't know if there's much value in that number right now, but this is an absolutely legit team with legit offense, a pretty good bullpen, and three legit starters. So I love the Giants to continue this to go on. And I think that they're going to be a problem for both the Dodgers and the Padres. God, I hope Colin can badmouth them because I can't stand that they're good again. It, it just anyone, anyone's a fan of baseball, you have to kind of hate San Francisco. They have the best ballpark. And they're never bad for more than five years. Like you just said, it wasn't that long ago. Tim Linscom was just throwing heaters for them. And they're winning World Series. And they had Madison Bumgarner. And it's just never ending. I can't stand it. Can they just be bad for 10 years? As a Phillies fan, that hasn't been relevant for 10 years. Dude, they were I can't so take it. Bad. How, they were how, so how is- bad for so long in the 70s and 80s. It was, they were the most irrelevant team in the major leagues. You, they were never discussed. It just happens to be before your time. But old people like me can remember when San Francisco was the most irrelevant team. Okay. 50 years ago, 50 years ago, San Fran had it bad. Chad, Chad said they had it bad. 50 Christ, years ago. Was it 50 years ago? Good. Yeah. It's 2021. My good Lord. friend. Oh my God. Um, Terrible. I, I still can't believe it's possible. Cause our ex manager of the Phillies is there and it's like, what is happening? Are they really going to beat out the Dodgers in San Diego? Cause both the Dodgers and San Diego, their, their payroll is insane. Like you guys know it's, it's truly David versus Goliath. So I, I would love to hear, Colin, how do you view this division? Well, um, I'm staying the hell away from that division for the most <laughs> part. <laughs> I do like the Giants, maybe not quite as much as BJ. I do think the Dodgers overtake them and win that division at some point. But the interesting thing about the NL West, and, and I talked about this a little bit in the preseason, is that the playoff futures for that division scare the hell out of me because they're going to end up beating up on each other. The two team, it, say say it plays out how I think it is. The Dodgers win the division. The Giants and Padres win the wild card. The Giants and Padres play a wild card game together. The winner plays the Dodgers. So it's just like a gauntlet to get to the World Series. That's why whoever you like out of the Central or the East, you know, if you like an NL pennant future or a World Series future out of the Braves, the Mets, the Brewers, what have you, I think there's value there just because they're going to play each other and then the winner's going to get whoever comes out of this gauntlet match in the NL West. 
I still think it's going to be the Dodgers that emerge, but I just, you know, looking at the paths to the pennant, to the world series, et cetera. I, I look at those other two divisions just because of, just because of how it's going to go in the West. All right. So BJ says he doesn't see a ton of value in the giants at 10 to one. I argue you're getting double digits on a team that, you know, may or may not even win its division. And that's not too bad. Uh, let's break it down. In the last minute of this podcast, BJ, give me your best value to win the pennant in the National League and the American League and your best value to win the World Series. Colin, same question for you. Yeah, I, I think in the NL, I think it's still the Brewers right now. They're 12 to 1, you know, beyond the Giants. And really with the Brewers, they have three of the best starting pitchers in the National League. That is going to cause a lot of problems for all the other teams throughout the playoffs. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta all have an ERA under two and a half. They have K per nine right over 10. I mean, these guys are incredible starting pitchers. And then they hand it off to a bullpen that's still one of the best in baseball and has one of the best closers in baseball in Josh Hader. Now, their offense hasn't really been up to par, but Christian Yelich was hurt for most of the first half of the season. They just traded for Willie Adames. So it's going to be a really good team that's going to make the playoffs. They're probably going to have, you know, maybe one or two, maybe home field advantage for at least one of the rounds. So getting them at 12 to one when some teams above them, you know, are still question, still might, you know, only make the NL wild card like the Padres or the Dodgers. I think 12 to one is still a great price on the, the Brewers to win the World Series. As far as the pennant, I'm actually going to go with the Phillies. I think the Phillies have the best value at 25 to one to win the NL. And I'll tell you why. It's because they're really starting to put things together. Their offense is improving. I think they're top 10 weighted on base average uh, over the last 30 days. Bryce Harper has been hitting over 300 the last 30 days as well. Their bullpen has is due for some positive regression over the second half of the season. I know on paper they look bad, but their XFIP is actually considerably lower than their actual ERA. And they have a bona fide Cy Young candidate in Zach Wheeler, and Eflin and Aaron Nola have been pretty good. So they're only three and a half games out of the Mets. The Mets have a ton of injuries to deal with right now. If DeGrom is out for an extended period of time, Mets starting pitching isn't great. So the Phillies could absolutely overtake the Mets. And then when you get in the playoffs, you know, anything can happen. And when you have that number one bona fide starter and at least two decent starting pitchers after them, which is a lot of, which a lot of these teams in the NL can't say that they have, I think the Phillies are worth a shot at 25 to one. And if you go over to the AL, speaking of Vladimir Guerrero Jr., like we did on the top, I think the Blue Jays, I think they're around 20 to one right now to win the AL. Their offense is incredible. I mean, it's what it's the best in the AL by far. They hit both right and left-handed pitching ball. And I think I said this on payoff pitch. Uh, I think it was last week, but great show. In- great show. That's right. Uh, they're an incredible fastball hitting meet team. They're top five in run value against fastballs. And I went back and looked, and that seven of the last eight World Series champions finished the season top five against fastballs. So there is some merit to a team that hits fastballs well, usually makes it deep in the playoffs. And they're starting pitching. They need to go out and get one more arm in their bullpen. They need to get one more arm. But their starting pitching has pretty much held up to this point. Their top four guys all have an ex-fip under four, so it hasn't been that bad. They are in a tough division, but they're only four games back at the wild card right now, and if they can just get in the in the playoffs, their offense could get hot, and they could definitely win the AL. So those are my three picks to uh, win the Blue World Jays, Series. Blue Jays are the value play to win the pennant. Phillies value play in the American League. Phillies value play in the National League. Brewers 12-1 to one to win it all from BJ. 
Colin, your turn. For the World Series, I'm going to stick in the AL East and go with the one AL East team that we haven't really talked about and nobody ever talks about, and it's Tampa Bay. Um, you know, I'm a numbers guy just like BJ, but sometimes there's just kind of a feel about a team. It's like the the Royals when they made the World Series back-to-back years where the numbers don't really make sense, but everything just kind of meshes well together. I was low on the race coming into the season. You know, they did their normal cheap thing. They traded Blake Snell, but they just have such a well-oiled machine, and they actually look like buyers this year. They added Nelson Cruz. There's talk about them being interested in guys like Max Scherzer and Chris Bryant, which sounds insane, but if they make a move like that, they're suddenly the favorites in the AL East. The Rays, I see at 14-1 to to win the World Series. They have the best run differential in the AL East right now. It's a gauntlet with the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays, like BJ mentioned, but Kevin Cash, you know, there's jokes about Kevin Cash isn't really the in-game manager. The front office is the manager of, of the Rays. Um, but whether that's true or not, you know, we saw last year what, what they can do when they get into the playoffs. And um, so I'm a big fan of the Rays at 14 to one. Um, as far as pennant winners go, um, I'm with BJ on the Phillies. Um, I would probably, you know, maybe split a unit between them and the Braves, who I mentioned early, because they're both 25 to one. Um, I just think, again, talking about the NL West gauntlet and whoever comes out of the East is going to have an easier path. I think the Brewers, um, you know, they're down to plus 525 for the pennant. So I don't see as much value there in whoever comes out of the East. The Mets are 425. And then you've got the Phillies and Braves at 25 to one who are longer shots. So I, I really like that there. And in the American League, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with, Blue Jay, with BJ on the Blue Jays. Um, I see them at 13 to one. You mentioned 20 to one. If you can find it at 20 to one, that's great. They they have the, probably the most electric offense in the American league. It's them, the white Sox Astros kind of, kind of coin flip their Red Sox. Um, Robbie Ray has been a revelation. He seemed like an afterthought when Arizona got rid of him. He looks like, you know, a legitimate, like top five Cy Young finisher, probably. Um, Yunjin Ryu, um, is a steady mid rotation guy. I want them to add some bullpen depth at the deadline. They have some serious bullpen question marks, but I do think there's value if you can find it uh, in the late teens, maybe 20 to one ish. So Rays, Braves, Phillies, Blue Jays. Those are, those are my value picks. I gave you one extra one. And I will say one final thing. Um, we were talking about the giants earlier if DeGrom does miss some serious time, Kevin Gaussman is still sitting there for NL Cy Young at about 15 to one. Um, and if, if DeGrom misses enough time that he's not going to hit, you know, the innings threshold to qualify for any of these league leaders, Gaussman and the Brewers duo um, are out there. And I like Gaussman's number a lot. That... Thank you for bringing that up. Cause Chad, yeah. I, I couldn't believe we were not, we weren't going to talk about NL MVP. It's, it's, it's staring at us boys. Two months left in the season. It's a two-man race. Like, why why not bet Juan Soto? Like, these other guys who are 40 to 1, crazy odds. Is, is it not worth doing in the next two months? Like, these guys can't get hurt. We already see DeGrom is hurt right now. Is it really a two-man race? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, with you, I'm with you on Soto. Sorry, BJ. I'm, okay. I'm with you on Soto. You can see guys get hot for the final two months of the season. You saw Yelich a few years ago. In pitchers, you saw Jake Arrieta. Um, back in 2015 or 2016, um, they just get hot at the right time, carry their team and, and win it. The problem with Soto is that he's going to play for a team that doesn't make the playoffs and you can put together full season numbers and win the MVP without making the playoffs. We've seen it out of Mike Trout three or four times, 
but if it's just a hot couple of months and it's at the end of the season when your team's out of contention, it's a lot tougher to do. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're looking at a guy like, you know, what I would do is I'd go look and see, you know, what guys have a weighted on base average over 400 and can basically get hot over that second half of the season. Cause like you said, we have no idea how long DeGrom's going to be out and he could get injured again. He's been back and forth all season long. I think Zerillo early in the season put out Max Muncie at hundred to one. I don't know what his odds are right now. 25 to one. He's been, he's been the Dodgers best hitter by far. And I think he's got like a four fifteen weighted on base average. So if he gets incredibly hot and the Dodgers take over the giants and win the NL West and get the number one seed in the national league, and he's their number one guy, it's not crazy to think that he could hit the MVP at 25 to one right now. I'm doing, I'm putting 200 on it right now. Well, listen, that was as full a buffet of baseball. You could say our bases were loaded the entire time. I'm so glad you're back, Chad. Simon. Our bases were loaded the entire time. That is the kind of media professionalism you have walked into, Simon. For Simon Hunter, for BJ Cunningham, for Colin Whitchurch, I am Chad Millman. This has been The Favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. Come back on Thursday, please. Rate us. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, love you. Love you.